Hello everyone, this is Brandon again for another podcast, and today I'd like to discuss a topic that's been on my mind and something I've been studying lately in the scriptures. And to introduce it, I'd like to go to Mark chapter 1. Here we start um, in some of these verses talking about John the Baptist, and and the topic I want to discuss today starts with John's teachings. In Mark chapter 1 verse 2 it says, As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And I think that last verse right there, verse chapter, verse 4, is really instructive because it says he's talking about the baptism of repentance, which is for the remission of sins, almost as if the baptism of repentance is a precursor to the actual remission of sins. And then if you skip down a little farther in there, and it says in verse 8, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And we know that this is referring to Jesus Christ, who John is preparing the way for. And in Luke chapter 3, um, it goes. he adds another word to describe that second baptism. In verse 16 of Luke chapter 3, it says, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So here we have another descriptor of this baptism. Not only is it with the Holy Ghost, but it is also with fire. And And I find this topic really interesting, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the baptism of fire, the rebirth, all of these um, terms are referring to the same thing. And if you skip a few um, to another place here in the New Testament, in John chapter 3 is the famous interaction between between Christ and Nicodemus, and in there he definitely asserts that man must be born again, born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus asks, how can you do that? How can you enter back into the womb? And Jesus clarifies that in his figurative way so that those with ears to hear may understand, but I'm not sure that Nicodemus understood it at the time. Um just to highlight the importance of this, when Jesus was visiting the Nephites on the American continent, as it's documented in the Book of Mormon in Third Nephi chapter 11, towards the end of that chapter, Jesus says over and over, this is my doctrine. I think he referred to that about four times throughout, throughout chapter 11. Um, Verse 38 is an example. I say unto you, ye must repent and be baptized in my name and become as a little child, or you can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. Verily, verily, I say unto you that this is my doctrine. And, And he goes on to say, baptism, 
repentance and the remission of sins. And so let's let's go into verse into chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. There's a another interesting point that I want to bring up here and it says so in in chapter 11 Jesus was teaching these things to his chosen apostles on the American continent. And in verse 1 of chapter 12 it says and it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words unto Nephi and to those who had been called now the number of them who had been called and received power and authority to baptize was 12 and behold he stretched forth his hand unto the multitude and cried unto them saying blessed are ye if ye shall re- give heed unto the words of these 12 whom I have chosen from among you to minister unto you and to be your servants. And unto them I have given power that they may baptize you with water. And after that ye are baptized with water, behold, I will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Therefore, blessed are ye if ye shall believe in me and be baptized. After that ye have seen me and know that I am. So one of the unique things in this account is that Jesus himself is speaking and teaching here. And he, and he says a similar thing to what John did and referred to his apostles as those who will baptize you with water. But then he definitely asserts that I will baptize you with fire. And then it's, he continues in verse 2 of chapter 12. And again, more blessed are they who shall believe in your words, because that ye shall testify that ye have seen me, and that ye know that I am. Yea, blessed are they who shall believe in your words, and come down into the depths of humility, and be baptized. For they shall be visited with fire, and with the Holy Ghost, and shall receive a remission of their sins." And so there, he kind of establishes an order here. Um, he doesn't mention necessarily the repentance, but he talks about coming down in the depths of humility, being baptized, and then you are visited with fire and with the Holy Ghost, and then you receive a remission of your sins. And, and this is such an interesting concept that is also taught by Nephi. And in 2 Nephi chapter 31, in verse 13, he says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, I know that if ye shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent, repenting of your sins, witnessing unto the Father that ye are willing to take upon you, the name of Christ by baptism, yea, by following your Lord and your Savior down into the water according to his word, behold, then shall you receive the Holy Ghost. Yea, then cometh the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and then can ye speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel. And in verse 14, But behold, my beloved brethren, thus came the voice of the Son unto me, saying, After ye have repented of your sins, and witnessed unto the Father that ye are willing to keep my commandments by the baptism of water, and have received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and can speak with a new tongue, yea, even with the tongue of angels, and after this, should ye deny me, it would have been better for you that ye had not known me, 
Skipping down to verse 17, it says, Wherefore, do the things which I have told you I have seen that your Lord and your Redeemer should do. For for this cause have they been shown unto me, that ye might know by the gate by which ye should enter. For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water, and then cometh a remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. So that was a lot of scriptures, all confirming the similar idea that the order is repentance, baptism by water, then cometh the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, and then a remission of your sins. And, and, and this pattern is so important that it has been documented in all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all talk of similar things, the Book of Mormon as well. So the question is, what is this baptism of fire? What does it do? How do you know if you have received it? And, and there's, there's a little bit of confusion there between the baptism of fire and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Um, back in October of 2010, Elder Bednar, Elder David A. Bednar, gave a gave a talk called Receive the Holy Ghost, where he talks about this. And in that, in that talk, he brings up some very crucial points. And he says, this is quoting Elder Bednar, the Holy Ghost does not become operative in our lives merely because hands are placed upon our heads and those four, four important words are spoken. Those important words are Receive the Holy Ghost. He says, After, as we receive this ordinance, each of us accepts a sacred and ongoing responsibility to desire, to seek, to work, and to so live that we indeed receive the Holy Ghost. He goes on to give some, some ideas on how to enjoy the companionship of the Holy Ghost, and one of them is to live in such a way where the Holy Ghost is invited into our lives. He makes the comment that we do not command the Holy Ghost. He says, we cannot compel, coerce, or command the Holy Ghost. And in my opinion, neither can those individuals who lay their hands upon our heads during confirmation and say, receive the Holy Ghost. They don't command the Holy Ghost. They are attempting to command us to live in a way to receive the Holy Ghost. And then at some point, when we have lived worthy for that companionship, then we will experience an uh, uh, event or, uh, and it doesn't have to be an event. There is a, another talk, I'm kind of diverting here, but there's another talk by Elder Bednar that was given in April 2007. Um, that one was called, Ye Must Be Born Again. And it was the parable of the pickle. And he talks about this process of how the pickle goes through this cleansing and purification process, and it's sealed and protected, and this whole process is necessary. None of the steps can be omitted in order for a cucumber to become a pickle. And so in the scriptures, we read of these miraculous events where people have this baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost all within a short time frame. And Elder Mednar talks about that the more common process is more like the pickle, where over time we become, 
more sensitive to the spirit, more obedient to the spirit, and and our our ability to have his companionship increases more and more until we are purified and it's more of a gradual process and so how do we know i think there are several people who do receive it all at once and and they feel like they are on fire and they feel like they are changed in a very short period of time but that has not been my experience (laughs) necessarily so it causes me to question have i been born again if I received the baptism of fire and the remission of sins. And there fortunately are a few scriptures that I think are a good measuring stick to to determine that for ourselves. One of them is found in 1 John chapter 3, and it's verse 9, and he refers to this, this process as being born of God. In verse 9, of 1st John chapter 3 it says whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God and that verse is a little bit hard to understand it and if you look down at the footnotes to the Joseph Smith translation for verse 9 we can read it with the with the translation that says whosoever is, is born of god doth not continue in sin for the spirit of god remaineth in him and he cannot continue in sin because he is born of god having received that holy spirit of promise and i think that is the best test to know where we are with this rebirth process um, it is do we continue in sin i know for a fact that there have been times in my life where i know that i am sinning i know that it's wrong i know i want to take care of it but i'm saving that for some future date because i don't have the faith or the courage or i really enjoy this sin right now that is not an indication of someone who is born again that indication would be someone who recognizes the sin, acknowledges it, repents of it, and does not continue in it to the best of their ability. It does not mean they're perfect, but it means they do not continue actively engaged in that sin without calling upon the atoning blood of Jesus to help them and to help take care of that. And it's up to to that process and the Lord's timing sometime when that remission takes place. There's a, another verse in Alma chapter 13. This is actually verse 12 that is also an indicator of kind of the similar, a similar concept. He's, we're discussing high priests and, and some of the attributes of high priests in this chapter. And in verse 12 it says, Now they, meaning the high priest, after being sanctified by the Holy Ghost, having their garments made white, being pure and spotless before God, could not look upon sin, save it were with abhorrence. And there were many exceeding great many who were made pure and entered into the rest of the Lord their God. So these two verses indicate that our view of sin, our our feelings toward it, are the indication of how born again we are where we are in that process that is 
that is something that that we can identify within ourselves is are we still finding enjoyment in that sin or does it become abhorrent to us that's that's a, a good measure and maybe just to finish up here there is a pattern that is in um, third nephi chapter 19 that i i think is really instructive this is you know after a little while of christ's instructions to to the people in the americas and and he's organized his 12 apostles and and they've they start teaching the people and praying with the people because Jesus teaches them for a while until the people are full. He realizes that they're, they're tired. They've had this overload of doctrine. And so he leaves them. And then the following day, the 12 apostles are praying. And they're, they're, or they have the people organized and the people are praying too. And they're all kneeling upon the ground. And it says in verse... 7 of 35 chapter 19 and the disciples did pray unto the father also in the name of jesus and it came to pass that they arose and ministered unto the people and when they had ministered those same words which jesus had spoken nothing varying from the words which jesus had spoken behold they knelt again and prayed to the father in the name of jesus and they did pray for that which they most desired and they desired that the holy ghost should be given unto them that was what they were praying for. And, and they had uh, the people praying for that. And, and they started baptizing the people. And in verse 13 it says, And it came to pass that when they were all baptized and had come up out of the water, the Holy Ghost did fall upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And behold, they were encircled about as if it were by fire, and it came down from heaven. And the multitude did witness it and did bear record, and angels did come down out of heaven and did minister unto them. This kind of alludes to what we read in Second Nephi chapter 31, where when we're baptized with fire and the Holy Ghost, we can speak with the tongue of angels. Here you have both. You have visible fire being seen by the people, and you have angels ministering unto them. Really interesting verses there that close the loop on 2 Nephi 31. And Jesus appears again to these people and commands them to keep praying. And they're praying and he's witnessing all that. And Jesus goes off by himself to pray apart from the people. And in verse 19 it says, And it came to pass that Jesus departed out of the midst of them and went a little way off from them and bowed himself to the earth. And he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast given the Holy Ghost unto these whom I have chosen. And it is because of their belief in me that I have chosen them out of the world. And I find this really interesting as far as this pattern because Jesus confirms that they truly had been born again, that they truly received that baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. And when he's done praying, he, came, he comes and looks upon the people more, and they're still praying. And it says in verse 25, And it came to pass that Jesus blessed them as they did pray unto him, and his countenance did smile upon them, and the light of his countenance did shine upon them. And behold, they were as white 
as the countenance, and they were as white as the countenance and also the garments of Jesus. And behold, the whiteness thereof did exceed all the whiteness. Yea, even there could be nothing upon her so white as the whiteness thereof. And Jesus commanded them to pray on, keep praying. And he goes off again and prays unto the Father. He says, Father, I thank thee, this is verse 28, that thou hast purified those whom I have chosen because of their faith. And I pray for them and also for them who shall believe on their words that they may be purified in me through faith on their words, even as they are purified in me. So the next step after having been baptized by fire and the Holy Ghost, was this purification process. And Jesus confirms that that had happened. They became white in their countenances. And then finally, in verse 32 and on, um, Jesus came back, prayed with the people, and the things that he prayed are cannot be written down. They They heard unspeakable things, the things that he was praying for them. And to me, this is really symbolic of entering into the rest of the Lord. So here in verse 19, we have this pattern of baptism by water, baptism by fire, purification, and then finally entering into the rest of the Lord. These are all very real concepts and and the scriptures show them in a very abbreviated time frame in which they happen where for most people it could take a lifetime or more for this to accomplish but it is perfectly real perfectly achievable and sometimes we think of these things as abstract or symbolic but I believe that they are truly literal and things that we are commanded to accomplish and intended to accomplish and will bring about great blessings. So I hope the review of some of these scriptures sheds some light into the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. And, and I'm sure that all of us, if we pondered, could easily determine where we are in, in this process by what our what our view is towards the sins that befall us. Are we continuing in them or are we working to repent of them, even though it may be a struggle? And, and calling upon God and praying for those things that are most important, namely the reception of the Holy Ghost so it can purify us and, and help us achieve that reborn state. I know these things are true. I know this is what is intended for us. And, and through the atonement of our Savior, Jesus Christ, it is possible. And we can approach him nearer and nearer by following these patterns in the scriptures to become born again and become true sons and daughters of God with the, in, with the perspective of being heirs, not only being his spiritual children, but heirs, true sons and daughters of God. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.